You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. Yeah, you guys should celebrate that. All right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. My name's Ryan. Those of you that are new, so glad you joined us. So it's an incredible season. We just uh, finished up our Easter services. Many of you that volunteered and served, you're still recovering with me over that. And then to make matters more challenging, last night at my household was a prom night. So uh, we had a lot of fun. We have two teenagers that had, were at prom. And so uh, here this morning, excited to teach, but a little tired. So um, we baptized a bunch of folks on Easter Sunday. Uh, we had over a thousand people that were, were a part of our services. We had several hundred of folks that were involved in serving and helping make that a big priority. So let's celebrate that just for a moment. So thank you so much. You know, we did not expect that many people Friday, or Friday and Sunday, and it was a, a real incredible experience. As Ten years in the church, that was definitely the largest gathering uh, we've had through the weekend over Easter weekend. So it was really encouraging to see that. Um, with that being said, our church is growing, and we're excited about the growth that's happening. We're anticipating that God will continue to uh, use this church to make a difference in the lives of people. Um, some of you have already made decisions to follow Jesus Christ, and I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized. You can schedule your baptism online. I want to encourage you to do that. Um, this morning, before I get started in today's message, um, I want to share with you kind of a little update on kind of how the church is doing. I promised in the starting the new year that there'd be kind of like quarterly updates about kind of the church's giving and the finances and all that. So if you're new with us, you can just kind of tune out for a moment or check out and just know ahead of time, we don't need anything from you. We want to give you something today. We have a gift for you. Show up at the Connection Corner. We'd love to send you home with a gift. Those of you that give and call North Valley home, this is your home. This will be very important for you. Um, so what I want to share with you is a little bit of kind of how we're doing, looking at quarter one uh, versus uh, from 2022 back to 2023, how we're doing today. So, and we all know, right? Uh, Phoenix is ranked like one of the most uh, cities that's struggling with inflation. Anybody feel it? Raise your hand. You feel the inflation? So do I. Let me show you a picture of what I went to the gas station the other day and filled up my truck. Let me see if we can get that picture. My, my tech guys, we got a picture? There it is. Yeah, that was a Toyota Tundra 30-gallon tank, $140. My wife said, what'd you buy at the gas station? I said, gas. So, I mean, gosh, I think in 2022, I think it was 70 bucks. Uh, you know, I don't remember what it was. It wasn't, I don't, I don't remember it being $140. I've never spent that much money on gas. So part of this comes, I think, in light of the inflation. So I'm, I'm with you and I understand. But let me share with you, 2022, quarter one, we had uh, January, February, March, we had $225,000 come into our general fund. That helps pays the bills, pays the mortgage, that covers everything that we need that was a little bit more than we anticipated coming in. So we we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. That was awesome. Um, we used some of the excess funds to buy some land. And so we bought uh, uh, some more land, part of this property as you drive in the land on the left. Uh, we're hoping to close out that deal at the end of 2024. Um, but that was quarter one, 2022. Uh, quarter one, 2023, here's what, how much came in. So you can see there's like a $12,000 uh, difference and here's the tension, right? 
The tension is, is we all have in the church, everything has gone up too. Inflation has hit the church in every single way. So it's really hard in every ministry area, everything costs more and we have more people. So at the end of the day, here's kind of what's happening. More people in our church, less money. Um, Here's the good news. The good news is that the elder team actually planned on it being a really tough year. (laughs) So we planned on this is going to be a financially tough year. We said, normally in a given year, let me tell you how we do it. We go, whatever came in for this year, we're going to do a 15, 20% increase for the following year for our budget. You know what we did for 2023? We said, we're going to do a 10% cut from whatever came in and go less. And that created for us what we call margin. Nobody likes to not have margin. Everybody needs margin. Amen. So we planned on some of this, but here's the problem. The problem is, is that the church is growing. The problem is two things. Number one, we, and it's a good problem to have, we really need to hire a full-time next generation pastor to help reach more kids and youth and serve in our uh, youth ministry, taking the existing roles that we have and adding somebody else. I need another pastor on this ship called North Valley. And we need that to help make a difference. And that's not possible unless things begin to change. Number two is we're offering a Thursday night service starting in, um, we're going to do preview services in August. And then in September, we'll launch the full on every single week, Thursday night service. It'll be my first message of the week. It's intended to reach people who are working on the weekends. It's intended to reach the people that would are out recreating, they're at their cabins, they're hunting, they're fishing, they're exploring, they're traveling, whatever they're doing. We want to reach them and provide a Thursday night service. So that's going to be tough if this continues to go through quarter two, quarter three. That's going to be a challenge. So my prayer is is that you would consider that, uh, helping make a difference. Here's our hope offering. Hope offering is completely for local, global uh, outreach. It's everything from uh, marketing to missions to benevolence. to It's just anything outwardly focused. 2022 quarter one. We had a great year, $21,000 came in in that first quarter to help make a difference. And so we were so pumped in quarter one, we made financial commitments to Scotland, to Phoenix, uh, to Mexico, Romania, uh, Poland. uh, And we've been able to do so much. $100,000 went out last year through the hope offering. And uh, we've been able to start and strengthen churches, uh, minister around. And this year, it's the first year I'm actually significantly concerned. Only $13,000 came in for our hope offering 2023 quarter one. And so it is enough for me to say to you, we will work with what God provides. But here's what I believe. I believe that God, wherever he guides the church, the leadership, the staff team, God will provide. Where God guides, he provides. Let's say that. Where God guides, he provides. I believe that full full on. So I am not worried. I am not uh, fearful. I believe that we are going to continue to move forward in faith. But I'm asking you, if this is your church home, please, when you're at the pump and everything is higher, don't make your first cut North Valley. Don't make your your first cut North Valley. Um, we haven't done that as a family. I want to lead by example. We have not done that when inflation hits and more expenses. We don't cut from the tithe. We don't cut from our giving commitment. So please be mindful of that. 
Right, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started today in God's Word. Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would use uh, what the resources that we do have would be multiplied for your glory and your story. We thank you, Father, for the giving that has come in. We want to make a great deal of, of good and a difference in this valley, in this community around us, and the lives of the people here that call North Valley home and those that are attending. Lord, multiply our resources, continue to provide in extraordinary ways, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Okay, so if that's you and you want to give, there are four ways to give. I want to encourage you to do that. We don't uh, usually pass an offering in our services, but I want to encourage you to make it a priority, make a decision, think about what you can do, and then go home and do that today. Uh, Lord willing, I'm standing up in the next quarter and giving you a great report. Amen? All right. We're in a series called uh, Distressed But Blessed. Let's all say that together. Distressed but blessed. So last week I gave you a message about the, a nation that was in distress. Uh, we specifically, what we did is we looked at the book of Judges. The book of Judges was written some thousand years ago. It chronicles kind of the storyline of the nation of Israel, 300 years of a storyline of people that were kind of in rebellion against God. And there was this cycle that was going on and it says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They abandoned the Lord. And, uh, and here's what would happen is there would be this pattern that repeated itself. People would abandon the Lord. God would discipline them. He would raise up a foreign power to conquer them. Uh, they would be scattered. And they would cry out. The Israelites would cry out for, to God for deliverance. And then God would raise up a deliverer and judge them. And again and again, this cycle repeated over and over again in the book of Judges. Um, last week, I taught on the concept of that there were three false gods in the nation of Israel that were very prominent, and those same false gods are in modern-day America. And it is, you don't have to be a politician or a savvy individual to realize that we are a nation in distress as a culture and as a country. Um, but here's the good news. The good news is, is no matter the stress, God is promised to bless. No matter what situation, what season, what generation you're in, God's promise for the believer is blessing. And so today, what I want to do is I want to share with you uh, about the blessing that God does provide. We're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. Everybody say, Nehemiah. So it's in the Old Testament, if you would, um, you can uh, get there in your scriptures yourself. It's Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Somebody said to me uh, this joke. They said, hey, Pastor Ryan, who's the shortest Bible character in the Bible? And I said, I don't know. And they said, it's Nehemiah. The first service thought it was a lot more funny than that. Uh, my kids would say, those are dad jokes. They're definitely not funny. So... Um, Nehemiah, though, this, the, the book of Nehemiah takes place in uh, 445 B.C. It's 445 years before the time of Christ. Um, there's a Persian king that we're going to be introduced to today. His name is King Artaxerxes. Uh, he will send out Nehemiah, who's an Israelite, as a trusted official to help rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. 
Nehemiah will go forth back to Jerusalem. It's been in de de uh, destru destruction. There uh, will be, this will be the third wave of exiles returning back to uh, Jerusalem in hopes to repair and rebuild uh, Jerusalem and reestablish their nation. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick up Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And we'll look at this passage. We'll walk through the passage. This morning, what I think we're going to do is be able to see how God's blessing is on the believer from generation to generation. Um, we're also going to explore how are you as a believer in Jesus Christ, how are you blessed? You are a blessed individual. Every single day of your life, you should wake up and say, Lord, thank you, I am blessed. I'm going to share with you and show you why you're so blessed. And then uh, the last question I'm going to wrestle with and answer is, uh, when we say God bless America, what does that truly mean? Is that true? Can God bless America? Is he blessing America? What does that look like? So we're going to use, again, Israel as kind of a case study and understanding our times in modern day America. So here we go. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took, the, took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. Um, in verse 2, and the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? Uh, this is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. Nehemiah held a a political position. He worked in very close proximity with King Artaxerxes. Uh, his position was cupbearer to the king, and basically he had a couple of functions. His primary function was to make sure that when the king was out and about in different meetings and, and, and uh, celebrations, he would taste the wine to ensure that it was not poisoned. He had a number of ways in which he would implement ensuring that the wine wasn't poisoned. And so every single day, Nehemiah would be laying his life down on the line for the king. It also, the, the role and responsibility of the cupbearer was always to be encouraging, supportive, uh, uplifting. He would be with the king in all sorts of personal settings. And so it would be like our guest services team, or if you've ever been somewhere and the environment is really cool. Um, when you see people that are in the service industry, they're supposed to have a an upbeat spirit and attitude and smiling. And so he is sad, it says here. And to be sad in the presence of the king would be like a completely violating policy. It would be like a protocol for our guest services folks. If you've ever noticed our guest service people smile a lot. Well, we don't pick the people that are super grumpy and cranky. Uh, if they walk around and they look like they're upset and mad all the time, I promise you they're not on our guest service team. Uh, the people that are on our guest service team, they're excited to welcome you. And do you know what the protocol is? If you had a really tough day, let's work that out. But people are showing up. This is God's house. Let's welcome them in the mighty name of Jesus. And so to be a cupbearer of the king, you're not to be sad in his presence. And actually to do so would be violating policy and you could be put to death. So he says, I was very much afraid. Verse three, I said to the king, let the king live forever. The first thing he says is let the king live forever. 
This is a pagan king. Uh, Nehemiah is a believer in Yahweh, the God of Israel, but he still shows his honor and recognition that he has a role to play, this king does. He says, let the king live forever. Why should not my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? It had been destroyed for some 150 years, and I think what happened was is that Nehemiah had a little glimmer of hope that things were, he began to hear rumors that waves of people started showing up in Jerusalem and started to rebuild, and things started to happen, but then it would be halted again. Verse 4, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? In other words, what what do you want? And it says, Nehemiah said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. So the king says, what do you want? That's good news. He's saying, what do you want? And then Nehemiah does kind of an on-the-fly, on-demand prayer request. You ever been there before when you're in a situation and you know, like, man, I got to make a decision really fast. And you're like, okay, Lord Jesus, I need help right now before I go talk to this person. And you're just praying as you go. That's exactly what Nehemiah's doing. He didn't say, stop, Mr. King. I'm going to pray real quick. I'm going to come back to you. No, he's praying in the moment, probably under his breath, in his mind, he's praying. Verse 5, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant, notice that he's calling himself a servant, if your servant has found favor in your sight that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Right then when he said that, I'm sure it triggered Artaxerxes' mind because if you would look in Ezra chapter 4, verse 21, do you know who stopped all the rebuilding? Artaxerxes. The king that Nehemiah is talking to is the very king that said, hey, we heard about people showing up in Jerusalem. Stop any building. I declare a decree. It's against the law to rebuild Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is going, I'm going to go ask him. That's going to change. So he goes, verse 6, and the king said to him, said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? This isn't a fight. This is favor. So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. So it's a royal chambers. The queen's in the, there with him. Uh, Nehemiah would have had personal access. He would have known all the secrets of the king and the queen. And it's not normal for a queen to be in kind of this kind of political a decision-making process where a decree is about to be overturned. So this means that Nehemiah is very much in a close proximity relationship with him. Verse 7, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. What Nehemiah has done, he's done his homework. He's prepared. He knows exactly what to do. He knows that he's going to need a uh, Uh, paperwork to show his travel. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to jump on a plane to Israel and flying over there with 25 other pastors. And by God's grace, I'm so grateful I got my passport. Um, And that wouldn't have happened without God's favor. There was all sorts of hiccups with my birth certificate. Don't worry, I am an American. Uh, But I, I I got my birth certificate. I got it all fixed up. And you got to have the paperwork. And Nehemiah's of foreseen all the challenges. He did his homework. It's not like he just came up with this idea. He had it all prepared. 
Verse 8, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. Now he's requesting materials that he may give me the timber to make the beams of the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city. I'll be able to visit that wall, the famous wall in Jerusalem, and for the house that I shall occupy. It says, and the king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand, the good hand of my God was upon me. That Nehemiah repeats that in chapter 1, verse 10. He repeats that in chapter 2, verse 8. Again and again, God's hand was on him. Um, some of you today, uh, when you look back at your life and you see the circumstances that you've survived from or that you've gone through, you need to say together with me, God's hand was on my life. Amen? And so what we see with Nehemiah is honestly this incredible blessing and favor over his life. He says, for the good hand of God was upon me. Verse 9, then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river. So he's on his way. It's a three-month journey, by the way. I'll fly over to Israel in 24 hours. Uh, Nehemiah will take about three months. Then I came to the governor of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. This was something that maybe Nehemiah didn't foresee, but he's going to need military escort. And the king provides that, that military escort with him. Verse 10, but when Sanballat, the, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite servants heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Now the question comes, who are these guys and then why are they upset? Well, uh, Sanballat, the Horonite, he would be the governor of Samaria. And then Tobiah, the Ammonite, is another political figure. Um, uh, he comes from the descendant of Ammon, and the Ammonites historically were pretty evil people. Um, they practiced child sacrifice. These are not good guys. These are bad guys. And they had a problem with Nehemiah coming back to Jerusalem because many of the Israelites and the Jews that were scattered were in these other countries paying taxes to foreign governors. And so for them to leave their land and not pay taxes was an economic loss. And so they are all wanting, they're trying to stop the rebuilding of the walls, re rebuilding the, uh, Jerusalem. And so there's just a, a hint of connection there that you're going to see that anytime when you're trying to do a great work for God, that there's going to be opposition. How many of you have felt that before when you feel like you, God's calling you to do something and all of a sudden things just start getting more difficult? Raise your hand. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, Nehemiah is going to press through and I want to show you some symbolism between ancient Israel and I think modern day America. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, there's a foreshadowing of truths in the New Testament. Here we go. Jerusalem could symbolize for us an unfaithful people, an unfaithful nation that has turned their backs on God, worshiped false gods, and there's a brokenness in our country, a moral decline. Um, Nehemiah is the, the leader, I think, who could symbolize for us believers who want to restore their country and restore right worship back in the land. If you're that believer who says, man, this country needs Jesus Christ, say amen. amen. I mean, you know and I know, the, as if you're a believer in Christ, the best life is the Christian life. And so Nehemiah is in that uh, fight, and he wants to make it right. Um, the king, I think, could symbolize for us God. 
And God has the power and the resources to restore and save many people. Um, you and I, uh, we, we need access to the King as believers in Jesus Christ. Um, then you have other people, Sanballat and Tobiah in the storyline that I think that could symbolize evil opposition against the believers. If you're a believer in Christ, you're always going to have opposition. You're always going to face that. And I think the wine could symbolize for us Jesus' blood that gives access to the king. If you notice what was the connection between the king and Nehemiah, it's the wine. And in the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus took wine and said, this is the covenant of my blood. And the Bible tells us that we have access to God through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And for you and I to have access to the king, it's only through Jesus. Romans 5.1 says that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to show you this morning is that God's blessing, what is it all about? What is it based on? Do you have blessing as a believer? And the answer is yes, you do. What is that blessing based on? Number one, God's blessing is based on grace. It's based on, not on the work that you do, your blessing in life is based on God's grace over your life. Here's what it says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, God being rich in mercy, and God the Father, who's so rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. It's all about God's grace. Your blessing is God's grace over your life. You're blessed because God's grace. God's grace is uh, what saves you. God's bless, uh, blessing and God's grace is what sanctifies you. Here's what Titus 2:11 through 13 says. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. You're, you're saved today because God's grace is in your life. It showed up. When I first became a Christian, it was, I realized that, man, God's grace was after me all, everywhere I went. And finally, I just stopped and turned to him and he saved me. And I experienced God's grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. And many of us could say, man, I experienced God's grace and salvation. But did you know you can experience God's grace every day in your sanctification? Here's what Titus says, verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live a self-controlled that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, upright and godly lives in this present age. God's grace is all over your life. Your God's grace is not just there for your salvation. God's grace is in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, in every single decision that you make. God's grace is there in your life, and it's training you, and it helps you, training you to renounce ungodliness. When you see something that's ungodly and unright, it's God's grace in your life saying, hey, this is not good. You should turn from that, walk away from that. That's God's grace over your life giving you that. That sense of conviction, like something's not right about this. What is that? That's God's grace over your life. That's his blessing over your life, teaching you, showing you how to live a life that's self-controlled and right and good and honorable in this present age. And then it's in the future too, verse 13, it says that we're waiting for our blessed hope. Uh, we have this blessing of hope that the world the way it is is not the way it's always going to be, that Jesus will return, that you and I get new bodies, that we will be rescued from the coming destruction. There is this appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm trying to say. God's blessing of grace was there for you in the past. It's in your present. It'll be in your future. Somebody say amen. amen. So here's what I'm saying is, please understand this. You're not just saved by grace. You're, God's grace is on your life. You have grace means favor. It means blessing. You have blessing because he saved you. You have blessing because every single day when you're moving forward in life, his grace is like trying to pour out over you. You just need to be in a strategic spot to receive it and believe it. Like, okay, he is blessing me. And it's training you and making you stronger. And if you feel like you're facing opposition, then guess what? You just keep going. Because anytime there's a blessing that is coming, you're going to have to face some opposition and you're going to have to endure that beating a little bit. You need to break through your, your hardship and realize God's blessing is on your life. Anytime there's something good happening, there's going to be something bad that you're going to face. You've heard of it as Murphy's what? Well, think about Lucifer's law. Does Lucifer want you to grow? Does Lucifer want you blessed? Does Lucifer want that over your life? No. Do you know what the Bible says? That we wage war, not against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness and spiritual forces of evil in this present age. And so here's what I'm saying to you. God's blessing is all over your life. It was there for you in the past. It's in your present right now, and it'll be in your future. Amen? Number one, God's blessing is all based on grace. Number two, it always works through faith. If you don't have faith, you're not blessed. It's always working through faith. You say to me, how can that be? Well, let me tell you something. I've said it a million times. When we look at our valley, we've got like 10 canal systems all pumping through this city. If the canals weren't there, if the water didn't come, Phoenix wouldn't be Phoenix. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, if, if we didn't figure that out, the canal system and the air conditioner system, Phoenix would not be Phoenix. Uh, what saves us? What gives us life? What gives this valley life? It's not the canals, it's the water. The water is God's grace. The canals, that's the faith. Everything works through faith. That concrete doesn't save you. What saves you is that water. God's grace is like the water over your life. And so here's what I want to show you. God's blessing always works through faith. If you don't believe, then you will not receive. Here's what uh, Galatians, the Apostle Paul talked about in the Old Testament, God's, the blessing of Abraham. And you're going to find out today, you got the blessing of Abraham over your life. Some of you are like, what's the blessing of Abraham? I'll tell you in a minute. Here we go. Galatians 3.14 says, Christ paid the price so that the blessing promised to Abraham would come to all the people, not just the Jews, the Gentiles, that's you and me if you're not Jewish, would come to all the people of the world, that's for every generation, through Jesus Christ, that we would receive the promised spirit through, help me out, faith. faith. You got to have faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Here's what I want to try to help you understand, that God doesn't have a problem blessing. We have a problem believing. That's the problem in our world. We must believe to receive God's blessing for our lives. You want to be blessed even more? Believe. Believe God is absolutely who he says he is, that you can trust him, you can live for him, that his ways are always better than your ways. Believe that. If you do not believe that, then guess what? Then you won't experience the blessings that God wants you to have.
believing is so important. And I think what happens is, is that we have experienced burdens or problems in our lives. And it reminds me of the story of a monkey who, how they trap monkeys over in India is they build this little box and put a fruit in it and put a hole in it. And the monkey puts his hand through the box and he slides his hand through and he grabs the apple, grabs the banana, and then he clenches his fist really tight and he tries to pull it out, but he can't because he's got a hold of it. And, the, and so literally the monkey just stuck there by the box, can't get out because he won't let go. And the only way that monkey can get free is to let it go and pull it out. I think believers are like that sometimes. They hold on to their problems and their burdens and they won't let them go. And if you do not let go of your, your problems and your burdens, then you won't experience the blessing that God wants for you. He wants you to be free. And so here's what we're going to see is God's, God doesn't have a problem blessing. We have a problem believing. We must believe to receive God's blessing for our lives. Number three, it's based on God's grace. It works through faith, but God's blessing is always about a relationship. It's about a relationship. God offers you a relationship and it's not like a bunch of rules or regulation. The God of the Bible is a storyline relationship. It's a covenantal relationship that God loves you. He has a plan for your life. You have a purpose. You have significance as believers. In the Old Testament, Israel was to be a nation among all the other nations. In the New Testament, it's the church is to be a light unto the what? The world. And so it's about a relationship. Blessing is about a relationship. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us in with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many of you messed up pretty bad or messed up you've sinned this week? Raise your hand. The rest of you are lying. So here's what we need. You need God's grace and mercy over your life every single day. Uh, you need God's grace and mercy every... And here's the great news. You have access to him every single day. That just told me right there, let us in with confidence. Hey, God, I need you. I'm coming to the throne of grace, not of guilt. That's powerful. I'm coming today and I got confidence you're going to give me grace. I'm ready to receive some mercy. I need help right now in my time of need. That's good news. What does that mean? That means it's relationship. And how did that relationship get bridged? It got bridged through Jesus, the cross. Here's what Jesus said to his followers. Hey, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and that door will be open for everyone who asks and receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. I think our problem is not that we ask too much of God. I think we ask too little. We ask too little. God, here are our great prayers right now. God, turn our entire nation towards you. Lord, bring revival in every college in our country. Lord Jesus, might there be revival and restoration in the hearts of everybody in every church around this area. God, restore and bring, use me to reach all my friends for Jesus Christ. Our prayers are not too big. They're oftentimes are way too small. Ask, here's what God offers you a relationship, ladies and gentlemen, every single day. I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus. I'm getting older and older. And I think my relationship with God's going to change when I go to Israel. 
I'm kind of expecting it. I can't wait to come back and tell you how much more I, I know God in a new, fresh way. God offers you a relationship. He doesn't offer you a bunch of rules or regulations. You don't have to have an appointment. You don't need to get cleaned up. You just need to come to him. You need to tell him what you need. Lord, you need me. I need you to help heal this anxiety that I have. Lord, I need you to help heal this broken relationship that I have. Lord, I need you to help me make the right decisions for my business. Lord, I need your help right now to fulfill the plans that I believe that you're calling me to, and I don't know how it's going to work. Lord, I need you to give me more faith right now. Lord, I need you. Amen? That's, that's, it's a relationship. So here's what I'm saying to you so far. I'm saying, man, you, 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 you got a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been saved. You have so much blessing in your life. God's blessing is on your life was that salvation and your sanctification and his future promise for a restoration. Your past, your present, your future, there's all blessing in that. And, and so here's what I want to answer some questions that have come over the weeks and months in having these conversations about God's blessing. Some people have asked the question of how are believers so blessed? Um, believers are incredibly blessed. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and he is your Lord, you have so much blessings. And today I'm going to remind you of some of those blessings. The apostle Paul said this in Galatians to the church in Galatia. He said, Christ paid the price so that the blessing promised to Abraham would come to all the people of the world through Jesus Christ. And somebody may say, well, what are these blessings of Abraham? Well, let's get to that. Genesis 24, 1 says this, is now Abraham uh, was old and well advanced in his years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham, help me out, in all things. So the, the promise of Abraham was for Abraham, but Paul said it's for all people who believe in Jesus Christ. And so that means in all things, we're blessed. That may take some faith to receive. Do you see what I'm saying? That you're blessed in all things. You may say, no, I'm blessed in some things. I'm not blessed in other things. Well, I think Paul will help us understand that we are actually blessed in all things in some way, shape, form, or fashion, or another. Here you go, Ephesians 1.3. Paul said, blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. You've been blessed. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have so much blessing in your life. He says, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you go on and maybe home today or in your community group this week, I'm going to have you unpack Ephesians 1 and find some blessings. I'm going to read to you right now. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Go ahead and stand up. I'm going to make sure everybody hears this very clearly. According to the, God's word, the Bible says that you've been chosen by God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you got chosen. You're on his team. You've got a purpose, a significance in your life. The Bible says that you've, you're loved by God. He loved you before you were ever born, before the foundations of the world were formed. He picked you out. He picked you out. He picked you out. And he said, I love you with an everlasting love and that your name will be written in the book of life. God loves you. When you're loved by God, that changes things. Because if other people don't love you, you're still loved by your heavenly father. Amen? Amen? You're loved by God. The Bible says that you've been redeemed through Christ. So no matter how bad your past was, you've been redeemed. You've been restored. Whatever happened in your past, 
God has paid for that restoration process through Jesus Christ. You've been redeemed. Not only that, the Bible says you're forgiven. Some of you are carrying debts and burdens, spiritual burdens, emotional burdens. Those debts have been canceled through Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. You're set free from that. You've got that blessing. You've been adopted into God's family. Some of you say, I don't have a good family around here. Well, guess what? You're adopted into God's family. Jesus even said it himself. He talked about the importance of a spiritual family. He said, these are my brothers and sisters, whoever it is that does the will of God. You are a part of God's family. You're gonna live forever. You have brothers and sisters in Christ all around you right now. You have a huge family. You have the biggest family in the whole world. You are adopted in. What does that mean? You were paid for. How did you get paid for? God paid for you through the person and the work of Christ. You have a heavenly father who loves you, who cares for you. All he's trying to do is use preachers like me, use his word and the series and the circumstances in your life to get you to wake up and say, I am what? Blessed. Amen? You can sit down. Not only have you been... Yeah, there. You have access to God, you have an inheritance, you have a purpose, you have a hope, you have a salvation, you have the Holy Spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us. So you're blessed. Man, you're blessed. Don't walk around all day long talking about how screwed up America is without saying, I'm blessed. No matter this situation, no matter what's going on, because guess what? Nehemiah's in an anti-God culture. Daniel was in an anti-God culture. They were all shining bright in the hardest of times. And so you can be that guy. You can be that lady. You are so, so blessed. So the question comes, are, why are believers so blessed? Why are we the blessed people? Israel was the chosen nation. You, the church, you are the chosen vessel of God. You, you are the light of the world. You, you take that role. And so here's this blessing that comes. Genesis 12, 2, here's what God promised Abraham. And remember, all the promises given to Abraham are for you too. So here it is, Genesis 12, 2. Here's what God promised Abraham. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I believe the, the reason why the United States has been a dominant world power, God's blessing has been on our country so much, is because so many of the biblical visions and ideals have been wrapped around the Bible. If you don't have a constitution, you can pick one up, but you can see that the greatness of the United States of America, I believe, is all about God. It's about the biblical truths and the people. We've had three amazing uh, national revivals over the years and people's hearts turned away from sin, turned away against these false gods and turned towards their true God and experienced revival and blessing. Here's the promise for Abraham. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will what? So here's, what, here's what's happening. I'm going to bless you, God says, but so that you can be a blessing. So let me just fast forward it. Here's what I'm trying to say. You're blessed to bless. Don't damn up. Don't damn up your blessing. Some of, some of the kids are like, did he just cuss? No. 
Don't dam up. Don't be a reservoir. Be a river of blessing to other people. Let the river flow. Man. Experience God's blessing. Remind yourself of God's blessing. And then say to yourself, with every blessing God gives me, with time, talent, or treasure, or whatever he gives me, I'm going to use it for the glory of God. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy what God's blessed you with. You, you enjoy it. That's what 1 Timothy tells us. Enjoy the things that you have, but use it for blessing. You are a river of life. That's what you are. You're not the reservoir. Think of yourself as, I am supposed to be a river of blessing for other people. God blesses to bless. He doesn't bless you just to enjoy it and keep it all for yourself. He's blessing you so that you can do something with that blessing. You are God's plan A. You are God's plan B. And you are God's plan C. The church. The hope of the world. This blessing is what's so powerful. And the question comes is this, is can God bless America today? Yes, God can bless America today. He can. Um, how will that blessing come? Here's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, I'll heal their land. If my people, if you're in God's family, you're his people. Um, what does our country need for more of God's blessing? To do exactly what this says. My people, according, called by my name. If you are a Christian, you are a Christ follower. If you say, I am a Christian, I'm called by the name of Jesus, what are we to do? Or to humble ourselves. I, I pray that in any of my preaching and teaching, if pride gets the best of me that, that day or whatever, it, I didn't do what I wanted to do. I want to be a humble person because I know with humility comes blessing. And as a Christian, you need to be leading the way right now in our country in your humility, not in pride. Pride is not always a bad thing. The Apostle Paul talks about having pride for a great ministry results and things that are happening in the lives of people, but pride in a self-righteous way is really wrong. Pride 90% of the time in the Bible is not good. But God's blessing, is it here in America? Yes, it is in many ways. Um, are we under judgment? Yes, we are in many ways. Will God continue to judge us? Yes, he will, unless our country does this right here. This is a promise with national implications. The Bible says, if my people, that's you, the church today, this was for the nation of Israel, who 300 years of apostasy and rebellion, turning to other gods, doing whatever was right in their own eyes, sound familiar for us? doing whatever is right in your own eyes, they face judgment. Well, what was the remedy to that judgment? It was this right here. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, what is that? That's repentance. That's turning from sin. If they would turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. 
We want healing in our land. We need to turn. We need to lead the way. We need to humble ourselves. Here's what I'm trying to say. God's blessing on our nation won't come from legal reforms. It's not through policy and politics that our blessing is going to come on. When we say God bless America, we don't get God's blessing on America when we pass new laws. Here's how we get God's blessing on America. God's blessing will come as a result of revivals, of hearts turning back to Him. When the people's hearts turn towards God, then God receives that and hears that, and He brings blessing. The Bible says that there's a time of repentance so that a time of refreshing can come. You ever done that before where you repented of your sin and then after repenting of your sin, all of a sudden you feel like this wave of grace and you're like, man, I feel so refreshed. I feel so light. I feel so good. That's what God wants to do. I don't believe, I don't, when I read some of the pessimistic statistics about American Christianity, there's a lot of doomsday scenarios. Well, I, here's what I believe is happening. I believe, by and large, the liberal denominational churches are in absolute decline. There's absolute decline. 51% of Americans right now are not even claiming any kind of Christian faith. That's a radical shift. And there's an exodus out of major mainline denominations. And I'll tell you why. I think because many of them have become incredibly liberal, what I will say biblically, and abandoned the truthfulness of Scripture. And so, People are just leaving those churches. And where are they coming? They're coming to more conservative churches that say, we believe in the Bible. We uphold the name of Jesus. We're going to press forward. And those churches, many of the non-denominational churches are growing. And that would be our church in a time like this. And so the question comes is, how do we engage in this? How do we respond? I want to remind you if you're a Nehemiah, you shouldn't just see Nehemiah as a great leader. You should see Nehemiah as a revivalist. He's trying to restore worship back into his homeland country. So, you know, what I see on the news where there's these revivals in these colleges, I just say, praise God, man. Like that Asbury revival in the college towns. And many times if you study like where there's revival, you'll see it's followed by blessing on our country. And so I believe we're in a time where there's just a need to slow down and for Christians to lead the way and say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself before you. I want to turn from any wicked way that I'm participating in. And I'm asking that you heal my heart, heal my home, heal our country in the mighty name of Jesus. God's blessing on our nation is not going to come from some legal reform, but God's blessing will come as a result of revivals. The Apostle Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil. What's that mean? That means people that are anti-Christian, people that are anti-Bible, people that have crazy liberal ideologies, those people are actually not your enemies. Those peoples are neighbors you're supposed to love. But the real darkness comes in. The Bible says these are spiritual forces that I think in many ways have possessed this generation, completely blinded them to see. And your job as a Christian is to wake people up to see like, oh my goodness, the real life is in Jesus Christ because the Bible says the enemy comes to kill, to steal and destroy, but Jesus came to give life. You need to see America as a mission field 
It's not just the bright shining light, but America, our schools, our communities, our workplaces is the mission field. And so I want to pray for you that you would make a difference in the lives of friends and family, co-workers, neighbors, and that you would share and show the love of Jesus Christ and help make a difference. Lead the way in what it means to humble yourself before the Lord and help people understand there's incredible grace and blessing in the life of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray for every man in the room. I pray for the women, the young men and young women, the kids, the youth, anybody who will be watching this. I pray that we would do what your word says, that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would kind of get humble, get low. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves before you, you're actually going to lift us up. You're going to exalt us. Your word says that you oppose the proud. Lord, where there's pride in this room, I pray that it's scattered out. You oppose pride, but you give grace to the humble. Your word says that if we humble ourselves before you, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time, that you will exalt us, you'll raise us up. So Father, I pray for I pray for the station and location of every believer here in the room. I pray that they would be incredibly humble and that the greatest works that you've assigned for them to do will be awakened in their heart today and they'll realize that it is not by their own doing, it's the hand of God over their life. That you'd restore marriages, that you'd restore business ideas and entrepreneurial projects that would bring blessing to other people. Lord, I pray that we would be examples to others in our friends, circles, our families. Father, I pray that we would not see our enemies as the people that are different from us, but they, we would see that the enemy is truly spiritual forces of darkness. As you give us a love for the lost. Use us, God. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.